and welcome to episode 71 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Saturday, August 7th, 2021. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. How's it going, Courtney? Great. We have live music. I know. Isn't that fun? <laughs> it's a huge treat. Thanks, Simon. <laughs> He's doing silent bows on his way out. Yeah. How, are you, how are you? I'm good. I had a little mini vacation or pseudo vacation. Boy, two was doing Shakespeare camp in the East Bay. And my parents live over there so that I didn't have to spend 45 minutes one way driving two times a day. Right. Um, we went and stayed at my parents' house because they were out of town for a bit. And it is generally about 30 degrees warmer there in the summer. And they have a swimming pool and a grill. So it was very lovely. It's funny you mentioned that. On my way over, I was listening to just a quick weather update because apparently I'm an amateur meteorologist. And they were reporting... 80s, high 80s, all over the Bay Area. And then lastly, San Francisco, <laughs> right around 60. Yeah. So yeah. It was our... very toasty over there. They also have air conditioning, though, so it all worked Ooh. out. So we got to be, we were inside in the middle of the day, and then we got to have dinner outside and nice. swimming at night. And it was just, it was lovely. Well, we spent the past week in... Pismo Beach, which is halfway between here and L.A., Pismo Beach area. And then we were inland in San Luis Obispo. And I have to say it was freezing at the beach. Well, not freezing. It's very cool and damp and weirdly humid. Not as cold Mm. as up here. And then inland, it was hot, hot during the day and then perfection at night. I mean, just gorgeous at night. Like you could walk around in a light sweater and, (laughs) you know, it was still sunny and we have such a weird concept of summer. We do. What makes it good? Anyhow. Anyhow. Since you were out at your parents, how did you spend your days? Crafting, cooking, reading, and repeating. Really? (laughs) Yes. So we will be Talking about all those things in On the Needles, On the Easel, On the Table, On the Nightstand, and then some bingo, because I did did some bingo stuff this time. I feel pretty good about it. I still don't have an actual bingo. I'm going to spoiler there. I don't know if I do. I have so many rows of four, but no bingo. I will get there. On the Needles, first of all, can we talk about Tom Daly? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I, my favorite... For those of you who don't know who Tom Daly is, he's an Olympic diver from Great Britain, and he has been knitting up a storm in the stands. He has a knitting Instagram account. It's it's like the daily knitting watch. And he um, he knit himself a koozie for his gold medal. <laughs> for his gold medal. Which I just, that cracked me. It had the British flag on, or the Union Jack on one side and the Japanese flag on the other. Oh. He knit himself a cardigan with the Olympic rings on the back and the flags on each sleeve, and it said Team Great Britain. And I think he did it in like three days. It was crazy fast. He's been knitting dog sweaters. It's just adorable. Super adorable. So that has been very fun. He was doing a crochet cast on at one point, and people about lost their minds. (laughs) Everyone's like, wait a minute. Is he not? Is he knitting? Is he crocheting? Can people confirm what's going on? Oh, that's great. So that was that's been pretty fun to, to watch what he's doing. And he got he got yarn delivered during oh my gosh. poolside. Oh, that is so fun. Because I because I guess he I mean you can only take so much and he was there the full two weeks at least. Right. So he had, he needed more yarn. That's excellent. Yeah. I I know that there are controversies on a number of different topics around the Olympics, but I have to say it is still really fun to watch and to just see this athleticism. And I still vote for a normal human being to try to dive off that 10 meter dive. I mean, I get scared up there. 
and I cannot dive. I, I, I actually can't remember if I've properly jumped off of a 10 meter platform. I think it's only the three meter. I haven't even done that. It's really high. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And it hurts if you miss, if you don't do it properly, you can really get hurt. So I just think that it's pretty incredible. Yes. And I'm kind of excited that we get Winter Olympics this winter. Oh, that's And true. we only have to wait three years for the next Summer Olympics. Yeah. And it's going to be in Paris. Right. So fun. All right. Yes. No, I totally agree. Many problems. It's still really fun to watch, I got to say. Although, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It is not without controversy. Lots of controversy. But yeah. All the wacky kind of sports. And we've been watching a lot of canoe sprinting. That keeps coming up. I don't know. We accidentally let it go. We were, you know, my household is a wrestling household. And the Uh, boys wrestling coach was over last night so that we could watch all of the subsequent lead up to, well, I guess they wrestled for gold this morning, really early this morning. It went from wrestling and then somebody accidentally changed and it was in the rhythmic gymnastics. And all my, my whole household was like, what is this? What, what are we watching? So, no offense, rhythmic gymnastics. People. I mean, that's some crazy business also. <laughs> it's a lot of aesthetic, you know, like headpieces and makeup. And yes. so my people were like, where are we? Yep. But anyway. Anyway, that is not knitting. Okay, back to the knitting. Sorry. I have two finished objects. Very exciting. The first, so I had said I was going to try and just knock out my rainbow wings shawl. Hold on to your horses. Because I decided I needed a quick fix. So I did a baby sweater because those are super fast. So I did the Winding Trail by Kate Oates. And I ended up ordering some Knit Picks Swish Worsted in the Rainforest Heather colorway, which is a, a green. I love that color. It's a great color. It's so beautiful. It's really beautiful. The couple, I don't know that they grew up in a knitting family and they're both teachers. And so I didn't have anything that would work in my stash that would be definitely super washed. Cause sometimes a super wash it'll say like, wash on delicate and lay flat to dry. It's like, that's not super wash. I mean, right. You have to it be is. I wanted I wanted one for them where you could just hundred percent Throw it in the washer, throw it in the dryer. It's not going to get ruined. So that was why I went ahead and ordered that. Like, super, I can wash it. Exactly. <laughs> and it's so cute. And I'm going to show you. Oh, good. Oh, my gosh. I want this in my size. It's perfect. <laughs> it's so it's cute. It's so perfect. So it Look, has... it really kind of coordinates everything. It here. does. Oh, um, my gosh. So it has this really cute cable down one side of the front and it's like a it's almost like a braid no it's double cables anyway so it was a little bit more fiddly than i like my baby sweaters to be not the cable part it starts down the shoulder yeah yeah so to make it do that you can't just do a raglan which is how i normally do the baby sweaters you had to kind of start the shoulders and then do some things and then do some other things that i can't really remember right now so that it it both fit properly And the cable part wasn't interrupted. And also the other thing that I sort of realized once I got into it is that the smallest size is a a two. So like for up to a two-year-old. And the baby was just born. (laughs) So this is definitely for next next winter, which is fine. Because, I don't know, when my kids were little, we got five bajillion three-month sizes. But otherwise, I'm really excited. And the the yarn is... And it's really nice. It is so nice that I just made note of it because I want some. Yeah, it's very soft, super affordable. And yeah, and I threw it in the wash, washer oh and dryer gosh. to make sure that if it was going to get ruined, that <laughs> I would be the one ruining it. That it would <laughs> fit an infant. <laughs> well, there we go, that too. Yeah, so I just wanted to, to run it through. And the the heather is gorgeous. Like I said, it's, a, it's called Rainforest Heather. It's this tealy green... And then it's got all these little purple and almost yellowy bits in there. The, the color is... It is a more gorgeous. subtle heather, though, than... Yeah, like it doesn't very, have the It's big... a very blended heather. It's not like... It doesn't have flecks of color like some of them do. It almost looks like oil. It just gives it depth. Like an oil. Yeah. 
yeah, so I'm very excited. So now I just have to get my act together and actually mail it. But since, you know, <laughs> it's not good, the baby won't be able to wear it for at least a year and some months. It's super squishy and adorable. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. Bravo. And that just took, I don't know, three or four days, I think, because I did go back and forth. As I started realizing the shoulders were kind of fiddly, I was like, do I want to do this? Can I just do one of my regular sweaters and throw it, throw a cable down the front? And I was like, no, let me, let me try something new. So I was pretty pleased with that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I messed up any of the cables. So it's, it looks perfect. That was good too. It's yeah, beautiful. I'm pretty excited about it. But so then cute. I did bang out the rainbow wings shawl. So excited for this unveiling. I am pretty excited about it myself. Wow, Isn't Monica, that cool? it's so cool. Oh my gosh, that's gorgeous. So I can take zero credit for, for the color choices because it was a kit. Okay, so tell us about this one. Okay, so the design is by Knitting Expat Designs. And it came out, I want to say, two years ago. Maybe even three at this point. And the kit is from Hugh Loco in her merino sock. And you got one full skein of kind of a gray speckly, really light gray with darker charcoal and brown spots. And that's New Yorker. And then you got 12 mini skeins in a rainbow that are also kind of speckly. It's a and subtle rainbow. This is yeah. not primary school. This is like very chic. Yeah. And it is... A, a really long, skinny scarf that's sort of shaped in an L. Yeah, that's me. Like so she kind of, yeah, so it's an offset triangle. Yeah. And so you start off doing it as a basic triangle and then you add wedges. So one half of it, the rainbow is all the lines are the same size, and the other half, you've got these big hunks of color. It was so much fun to, it was so relaxing, it was so much fun to knit. This is because my, this is my favorite band, this teal <laughs> the blues. Yes, of yeah. course it is. Yeah, so you've got like a big hunk this of is... reds and, and it's not a fade. They don't they don't fade into each other. They're definitely stripes, but the colors are so close to each other that you would do kind of the first first row and be like, Oh, it's not gonna be any different, but then it, it totally is and yet Super wearable because it's so thin. Yeah. Like you could wrap this around twice and really bundle, or you could just mm -hmm. sort of throw it on. <laughs> you have to give it back. <laughs> I'm giving it back. She's testing it. I have to test it. Yeah. yeah. So I was super impressed with the colors, the dye work. I mean, I would I would never have done it like that, and that is why I don't do it. It's also I there's it to the professionals. I really appreciate that there's no hard edge to it. Mm -hmm. Like when I did that shawl the color love one mm -hmm. i don't know if my cast on was wrong but it's kind of got one hard edge that mm. you know this feels like stretchy in all directions i was really excited about it and it was so funny because most of what i do a lot of what i do is just knitting and knitting and like my sweater my last sweater that i did for mm -hmm. me was i don't know 200 or something stitches around you're just knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and knitting and this was basically the same thing, except in long rows, back and forth. And I found it so relaxing. This is the prettiest bind-off, too. Is this a bind-off or the cast-on? Uh, that is the bind-off. It's kind of a little scallop. It is knit and then knit and then knit two together through the back loop, mm. which is a really nice um, one that I like. Yeah, that I like to use for shawls and not as complicated as like Jenny's surprisingly stretchy bind off mm. which I use for what? socks so that that was just a joy of a project to work on I have to say gorgeous colors yeah um, and weird. that was the one where I had the um yarn in the egg carton on Instagram ah. which I was very pleased and worked very well and then when we went to my parents I just closed up the egg carton and took it with me and I didn't have to worry about yarn falling everywhere it was great. And I had, I don't, I didn't have this in there, but I numbered all of the sections so that I knew what direction I was going. Oh, good. So I didn't mess up my rainbow. I was rather pleased with myself for that as well. And then I finished that a few days ago and I am back to work on my Eddie sweater by Isabel Kramer in more you loco merino sock yarn. But this colorway is Eclipse, which. Oh, I love this colorway too. I wanted to show you because I can never remember all the colors on it. The main part of it is a charcoal gray. And then it's got 
all sorts of other colors. There's a bright teal and magenta and some white and some yellows and greens. And they really pop up against the gray because they're sort of jewel tone. Yes. Yeah. And I'm That's pleased. That's going to be beautiful. Do, they do not seem to be pooling in a weird way. There's enough mix of the gray and all the colors that it doesn't stripe or do yeah. anything weird. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty sure I did not actually do a gauge swatch for this. I just said, meh, close enough. I have knit past the sleeves and put them on hold. And now I am knitting, starting to knit the body. So I'm going to knit about an inch and a half past the sleeves and then try it on to see if it fits. And then there may be crying or we may be happy. We will see. But sounds like a good plan. It is what it is. And I think that will keep me busy for a while. A day or two. A little bit longer. It is fingering white yarns. Yeah, yeah, but, and again, same thing, knitting in a circle, just knitting, knitting, knitting. I find it fairly relaxing, but not as relaxing as the shawl. Maybe because the shawl, because it was out and back, so the, the end point felt more of an end point. Like and taking that, a really proper walk down a beach and then turning around and coming back. and Yes. <laughs> Instead of doing a loop. Right. So <clears throat> that is my knitting. It's been good. What is on the easel? Well, I was painting, when we last spoke, I was painting flowers. And those are still happening when I am struck by a flower out on, from a walk or something like that. I did a lot of sketching seascapes and pelicans. And pelicans are, are a very per peculiar bird. I have decided. I mean, they look peculiar anyway, but then when you're really sketching them, the proportions are hard to get right because their bodies are kind of small and then their head and beak is so weird and their wingspan is huge. Anyway. So even if you get it right, it's still going to look weird. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, it's a good bird to sketch because they're so tricky. So lots of sketching in the sketchbook while we were away. I also... One artist I really admire is Rebecca Green. She does children's book illustrations and other great art. And she was in Japan the past couple of years, and she made acrylic wash palette with Holbein. I don't paint with acrylic wash. I paint with design gouache. And there was no correlative design gouache palette. But I did sit down and tried to approximate... There are some colors that are both acryla and design, but sometimes there's no crossover because there aren't as many design colors as acryla. Long story. But I tried to build my own palette based on the one that she had built, and it was a really fun color mixing exercise, just a creative exercise for an afternoon or so. I also attended a live class on Skillshare with Dylan M. I think her last name is pronounced Merzwinski. It was a really fun live class and the subject matter was this branch of blueberries that she had done in her own different palette. She also paints with acrylic gouache. The subject just wasn't, I mean it was beautiful but it wasn't totally me and so I decided that I was going to go out and take, I gave myself this little assignment. We were in San Luis Obispo. And so I made myself go out and take like 10 or 12 pictures to come back and paint from, you know, something that would interest me. And so I went out and I went, I popped into a couple thrift stores that were near the neighborhood we were staying in. And they were church affiliated thrift stores. So Unlike a Goodwill, which has like tremendous in and out and turnover, I feel like the church thrift stores have these wonderful ladies who arrange things and it made for awesome still life arrangements because they had like, you know, a solving jug with some flowers in it and weird things on the table that you would never put together. So... That was fun. I took a bunch of pictures of different things and different, even weird things in the neighborhood and drew and sketched from them. And I'm really excited to get back and paint some more fun still lifes from that little photo session. Oh, so you just took photos. I took a bunch of pictures and then I was, was imagining you plopping yourself down in the thrift store like, don't mind me, I'm just sketching. 
No, sometimes I do sketch in place, but it's usually if I'm like waiting for something or I've yeah. paid for something, I don't really like to take up their. Yeah. And I was mindful of, you know, masking up and I didn't really want to be out with tons of crowds. And I wanted to tell people that it is new planner season, which has nothing to do with the easel per se, except that I love to use the planner to keep track of what I'm painting. Mm. And it made me think of it because I ordered a new one this week and we've talked about it before and I use an ink and volt planner. I have had real success with other planners in the past. I just think it's back to school shopping time. Some people mm. use an academic one. I went with a really colorful one. Oh. You know, I normally pick those blues and greens and grays and I picked an orchid Whoa. colored planner. So when I post a photo of it. And you can see that it's an outlier of a color for me. I think it had to do with... You were inspired by my sweater. I was inspired by your sweater. There is an orchid pop in that new one, yep. too. Yeah, I think I need a kick in the pants color palette-wise. Sure. And that exercise played into it, too. The Holbein gouache exercise made me look at colors a little bit differently to play yes. with somebody else's palette. So... The easel was a sketchbook, basically, that I dragged all around the Central Coast and have funny pelican sketches in. Sounds good. Yeah. I like it. All right. On the table. Did you do much cooking at your parents? Sort of. Okay. So first of all, I did want to talk about a recipe from East. I know I've talked about East so much, but I'm doing it again because it was really good. And my husband really loved it. And he did not stop talking about it all night. So that was pretty good. He's usually, he's always very complimentary about whatever I make. So if he actually talks about something and talks about something and talks about something, like then you know this is a keeper. So this was coconut rice with eggplant and pickled cucumber. Pickles! Yes, so you like the pickles. So there was I a very nice pickles. little pickle. The coconut rice actually worked pretty well. I have not had great success with coconut rice in the past. It always seems to not cook enough. This one, I did add a little bit more water right at the end while it was kind of steaming with the lid still on after it's done, allegedly done cooking, and that helped. But then the eggplant, you cook for a long time and it gets all melty and you add tamarind paste and soy sauce, so it's really dark and delicious. And I had the tamarind paste from when we originally had cooked, so I was very excited to find something else to do with it. <laughs> and then you don't use the entire can of coconut milk in the rice you save a little bit and throw it in the sauce so it's got this little creaminess it was so beautiful and it was just enough for the four of us because i think i had i think you used two good sized eggplants i would probably have if i do make it again serve it with something else i'm not quite sure what but it needs a or, little bit of something something on the side 150 percent it Yes, that yeah. is a possibility as well. But I think it could be nice just having like some green beans on the side, just a little, you know, something else to kind of contrast as well. Although you get the nice pickled cucumber business. So that was really good. So then what I've been doing, because all of the fabulous summer produce is coming in using my produce box. So I've just been doing tons of like little salady things. Not one big green salad, but like I did a peach and tomato salad. I did kale with balsamic grapes. And then last night I did a grilled radicchio with balsamic grapes. So my kids were like, do not ever serve this again. <laughs> radicchio, no, absolutely not. I was like, okay, that's fair. My husband and I like it. We'll wait till they're off of college and we'll bring back the radicchio. It um, is bitter. It is. And the grilling helps. And I don't think that I grilled it quite enough. And then I thought the grapes and the balsamic would cut it a little bit more yeah the grown-ups liked it the kids were not as fond <laughs> quinoa and i had some leftover green beans so i threw that in there tofu croutons on a spinach salad so this i got from mark Bittman. how to cook everything vegetarian you basically you cube a thing of tofu and you bake it for days <laughs> yeah i think it was like an hour oh that's and not it, bad. it's so it's not too bad but it was great. So it was the day we were going to my parents and we were going to leave in the afternoon. And I knew it was going to be hot there. So I baked it at our house where it's whatever ridiculous cold temperature it is. <laughs> so turning on the oven for an hour didn't matter. And they just get 
super condensed and crunchy around the edges. And it was great. So it was perfect. So then I had those and I took them with us. I love having salad components like that that are sort of prepared and then you can just toss them in. That is so yeah. how I function. So it's been it's been really nice. I did a zucchini carpaccio salad from Smitten Kitchen. Yum. Which you slice the you shave the zucchini with. Um, you can either use a mandolin if you have one, or just a, a peeler. Peeler, and then you put it in vinegar and oil, and then mix it with greens. So that was lovely. Um, I did a corn salad. Did some more lots of zucchini, lots of corn, lots of tomatoes. So it's been great. So I'll have some sort of meat main course but then enough vegetables that my husband is okay um, because my parents have a grill so i promised the children we'd do some grilling so i made two grilled items from dinner a love story tony's steak and grilled soy glazed pork chops kind of similar they both involved soy sauce used the gluten-free and various other marinade kind of things delicious it was really nice, even though it was like 100 degrees and I'm out there grilling. But grilling goes pretty quickly. Yeah. So that was good. And then I did um, grilled halloumi as well one night to do that. So Simon had some of that and the boys and I got to finish a little bit of it as well because I think that was that was when we had the pork chops. So we didn't need a full thing of grilled cheese, right. just a little taste because it is delicious. Oh, and an arugula salad with cherries, yeah. which was based on a cookie and cake recipe that also had couscous in it, which wasn't going to work for us because that has gluten. And I was, I think I was serving it with the quinoa, but I like the idea of cherries Mm -hmm. um, because I had just gotten a bunch of those. I do cherries in salad when they need to get eaten. Yeah. I I don't know why I'd never thought of that. I love them with goat cheese or feta. Yeah. The recipe calls for a lot more things. And I just, I had so many other things going on that and I think that might have been the night of the grilled halloumi. I didn't feel like I needed cheese in the salad and on the side and <laughs> so many places. So, but it was a good starting point. And it's just, so it's just been a really nice finding one recipe that's maybe kind of a recipe and then other things, just throwing things together. And it's the time of the summer when you can do that because everything is amazing. So I felt very, very good. And I think that was one of my, wasn't that one of my goals two years ago was to stop using recipes so much just kind of riff yes yeah yeah so i'm still not good at it but right now i'm i'm doing pretty well so i felt i felt good and then and actually last night we did our little you know salad extravaganza my husband said that he really liked that that way of eating so so it has been a very sort of different cooking experience the past two weeks but quite enjoyable we will see what happens once back to school starts I just hope they Sorry, I didn't school. mean to bring us down there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let's just let them go to school. Yeah. How about you? Well, my whole thing about going away for a few days was to not cook mm-hmm. because like many of us, I feel like I have cooked nonstop for 18 months. Mm-hmm. Given a break here and there, like little breaks. But I have been cooking forever. Multiple meals. Yeah, multiple meals, constantly thinking about. And and part of the stress of this is we have big kids and they consume a lot. Yes. So it's not like cooking for four normal humans. It's a whole thing. They both went to a wrestling camp and we got a text message from our older son that said, oh my gosh, they totally understand my need for food. The quantity (laughs) is like I can have four servings if I want. You know, they totally get it. So that made me feel seen in a way, (laughs) you know, that this camp has to do so much to feed all of these hungry wrestlers. Anyway, I did not cook for seven days straight. Wow. And I feel like we need like an applause track. There we go. High tech here. It was, besides taking my sketchbook and doing some reading, it was a goal of mine to not cook. What usually happens, though, is we'll get someplace and somebody doesn't feel like Mexican or Thai food, and then we end up grabbing some groceries and cooking. Like, Mm. that happens a lot. Because we were at an Airbnb and there was a perfectly suitable kitchen, I could foresee it happening. 
except that there were no grocery stores nearby. Like, Sweet. And that saved me. So we did do a couple really simple nights of tacos, takeout. You know, okay, it was tacos. like, tacos is cooking. Yeah. No, no, no. I did no cooking. So like tacos and one night the kids wanted pizza and we had salad. We only had a couple nights with the boys before they went to camp. And then we were on our own. And that was a whole different challenge because we were in San Luis Obispo. There are some nice restaurants, but we were there on Monday and Tuesday and there mm. everything is closed on Monday and oh. Tuesday. And so we found ourselves in awesome kind of like pub tavern places every single night where there were big screen TVs where we could watch the Olympics. And I basically ate salad and fries at these great restaurants. Nice. And it was totally fun. A lot of times when I'm traveling and come back, there's something that sparked like, oh, I should try to make that at home. Mm -hmm. And while I can do perfectly great salad and fries at home, I did get a cocktail that was beet-infused gin. And I should have taken a picture of the menu. The server warned me that it was very beet-forward. Okay. I loved it. I actually think it was a little overpowering because you couldn't taste the rest of the cocktail. But it was like a icy, beady cocktail. And I can't wait to infuse some gin. (laughs) I got to go get some beets right after this. It was really, really fun. And it was beautiful. Ruby colored, you know, like pomegranate. And before we left the, the week leading up to our trip, I was really just cooking similar, you know, the turkey burgers and the some of the chicken dishes from Simply Julia. Mm-hmm. I did make a chicken chili one night and I was sort of trying to use up stuff that we had in the house before we left. And I had some chicken breasts. And so I just threw them in the food processor to grind them up and made a chicken chili with white beans. And I found this recipe that had me puree the white beans mm-hmm. with like a hunk of cream cheese and stir that in as the thickener. Interesting. Uh-huh. And probably delicious. It was super delicious. I added some oats to it, just a mm-hmm. little handful of oats, not even a quarter of a cup because it was a little loose. It was a delicious chicken chili recipe that I will definitely repeat. We're not huge cream cheese household but boy that was an easy trick to implement so that reminds me i have a white chili like a a vegetarian one that i think it's it's officially vegan i think they have you use vegan cream cheese and stuff that is Mm. quite tasty with white bean no i think it's corn but it has cream cheese in it is is what is making me that would have been excellent with corn i didn't have any and again i was just sort of trying to use whatever we had And it could have used a little bit more of those canned green chilies, you know, for a little bit of heat. Mm -hmm. But I'll put that recipe in the notes because it was basically the only thing I've cooked in two weeks. (laughs) Well done, you. (laughs) So that's it. I appreciate that. All right, then. On the nightstand, I have so many books. That was the other part of going on a mini vacation. Me too. (laughs) Okay, welcome to our book review. Yeah. Take it away. Okay, so my first two were novellas. So that that's also part of it. I read a lot of short books also. Oh. So the first two, sci-fi. The first is All Systems Red by Martha Wells. This is the first in her Murderbot series, which I've been hearing about for years. And I finally got around to reading, and I'm kicking myself for taking this long. It's so good. The narrator is an AI system that has gone rogue. It has become kind of self-aware and they are designed to just follow orders from whatever human is controlling them. And this one has turned off that button and can do its own thing, but is still doing its job because if they realize that it is controlling itself now, they will probably fix it. They will turn the button back on. The bot spends most of its free time downloading TV shows and watching them. 
<laughs> that is what it is using. It's it's uh, self-control to do. But it is also running security for a group of scientists and researchers on a planet. They are exploring it uh, for possible mining use and things start to go wrong. So it's a little bit of adventure, a little bit about, you know, kind of what it means to be human and emotions. And then there's, I think, five more. I think there's six total in the series. And they're all novellas except for the last one is my understanding. So I'm very excited to to continue on with that. And then I read Remote Control by Nady Okorafor, which just came out, I think, in January. And she must have been writing it last year because she part of it they mentioned oh the pandemic of 2020 so it takes place a little bit in the future and focuses on a 14 year old girl who has somehow acquired powers that allow her to kill people from space or the powers come from space she's still on earth so she is wandering northern ghana and people are worshiping her but afraid of her so they you know give her food and clothing and so she's been wandering since she was seven. So it's a lot of how she builds relationships and what's going on with her powers and, you know, how is she experiencing all this? It was pretty cool. And also just the whole different culture. There's a lot of stuff going on in this book, even though it's it's a novella. It's really short. I recommend it. Go read it. And then I listened to 84 Charring Cross Road by Helene Hamp, which is uh, a collection of letters that she wrote back and forth with this bookstore in London. I think it started in 49 and went through 1968. It's adorable. Helene is, was a TV writer. So she wrote for TV, she wrote some books, and so she lives in New York City, and she's an introvert, doesn't want to leave her apartment, so she starts writing to this bookstore in London to get books. Um, like recommendations, or? No, she, I guess what she, she wants, she wants classics. John Donne, mm. Catullus, you know, things that apparently were not readily available in the United States at the time. So she's writing to this, it's an antiquarian bookstore. So they have used books, basically, and they find things for her. And they just start up, she starts a relationship with these people. That's wonderful. And she writes these delightful letters, and they write cute letters back. And it was it was just super sweet. Did it add to your TBR, to be read list? Was there no, it's a lot there? of, no, it's all nonfiction essays, some poetry Fun. and stuff. But so, yeah. yeah, so there was nothing I needed to read. The way she talks about the books and the relationship between the people and she keeps trying to get over to London to visit. But then, you know, she's a writer, so she doesn't have a lot of money. And so it was very adorable maybe two hours long on audio, oh, fun. full cast. So everybody, you know, every letter is a different person. So that's always, that's always fun. So that was really sweet. And then my Louise Penny... <laughs> section. I uh, listened to numbers 11 and 12, and I read number 6.5. Who knew? What? I know. So 6.5 is The Hangman. And I think what it is, Canada did this series of books that are shorter, so like novella length, super punchy, very exciting. So a lot of mysteries and thrillers and and that kind of thing to get people into reading. So people who don't have a lot of time mm-hmm. or were never big readers but want to start doing it. So kind of easier adult level books to get people into reading. Okay. So they said this one fits in between book six and seven, which I can't remember. Um, but it's basically there's another death in Three Pines. <laughs> Inspector oh, it's still Ca- Three Pines? Yeah, comes back okay. in Three Pines. I know. And it's at the inn and I'm like, <laughs> how many murders can happen at one inn before people stop coming? Twists and turns, usual Inspector Gamash. This one was interesting because there is no backstory. It could really could be happening kind of anywhere in there. I so see. it's really just the murder. It's like, you know, a couple days in investigation. And it really made me think about how this guy's job is every day going out and seeing dead people and finding murderers. Like for some reason, the regular books, because there's so much other stuff going on. Yeah. The through story, you kind of don't think about that. But this is really just like, yep, it's Tuesday. Got to go investigate this murder. That must be so hard. Like That is a crazy, crazy job. I don't know why it never occurred to me before. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so that was that was The Hangman by Louise Penny. Content warning for suicide. And then The Nature of the Beast was number 11. This one was not my favorite, I think, because content warning, death of a child. Hmm. So that was a little hard. And then it goes off on... A couple of weird tangents, and she brings it all back together. But it was a little bit, mm, 
little bit more wonky. And the inspector and his wife have retired to Three Pines. They're enjoying their what? life. It doesn't. It, okay. He's still <laughs> investigating things, clearly. We've got, you know, book 16 is coming out, so it's not like he's going to stop. Yeah. There's always murder around him. <laughs> I mean, I guess that is his job. Anyway, so there's a little boy in the neighborhood who has a super huge imagination and is always coming up with all these crazy stories, so no one ever believes him when he says things. So when he comes running out of the woods saying, oh, there's a giant, huge, massive gun with a monster on it, everyone's like, whatever. Yeah. The next day, he is found dead in the forest. Everyone thinks it's a bike accident, but not Inspector Gamache. Since it's him, we suspect he's right. Goes on from there. Again, some craziness. And then number 12 was a great reckoning, which I also listened to. This one was a little better. He is now head of the police academy. And one of the professors ends up dead. What happened? Okay. So that one, we're getting a little more back on track. Slightly less crazy. Multiple times at the end, we were like, wait, I figured it out. Wait, no, wait, wait, no, wait. Is she making me think that? Is she making me think that? Now she's making me think this. Ah. So she's definitely got the who could it be thing down. And then the final two, we're going fantasy. A Conjuring of Light by V.E. Schwab. The final book in the trilogy. Uh, of the world with the four Londons. The dark king has taken over red London. Lila and Kel have to save the world again, along with their friends. It was good. Lila comes into all her powers, lots of adventures. It was maybe a smidge long, but good end to the trilogy. And again, totally different from Addie LaRue. I would not put them in the same category, but if you do like fantasy and magic and adventures then check out that series and then the kingdoms by natasha pulley this is her fourth book i read her first two i somehow missed book three so i need to go back they're not a series but she does kind of time bending love stories with a little soupçon of uh, steampunk so (laughs) this one starts in the late 1800s like 1890 something and Joe steps off a train and can't remember anything. He has amnesia, doesn't know what's going on, but feels very wrong. So we end up getting Joe's story and it is connected back to the Napoleonic Wars and time travel and oh my, romance and saving the world and what would you do for your family? It's She wrote The Bedlam Stacks and... Watchmaker of Filigree Street. And they're very similar kind of books. Totally different characters and stories and maybe not so much time periods, but um, I think she likes that like like Victorian time thing. Um, so that one, I just, I really enjoy it. I blasted through it. And that one was an actual book book that I got from the library because it just came out pretty recently. The Kingdoms by Natasha Poli. Good stack. And that is it. And then interestingly, the book that I'm reading right now also is happening during the Napoleonic Wars. So Oh, that's funny. Very random. But there it is. How about you? I have seven books for you. Oh, my gosh. We are crazy people. Well, we didn't, I didn't cook, so. Yeah, you got to do something. <laughs> Let's see. Where to start? I, too, am reading the Louise Penny Inspector Gamache series, although I am days behind Monica. I just finished book two, and then when... I was ready to jump straight headlong into book three. The library informed me that I had a two-week wait, but it just landed this morning. So, Are you listening to them or reading them? I am listening to them, although I was talking to Aunt Rita, who's also, she's ahead of me. She's but a little bit behind you. She's been listening also. And she started book 11, which is the narrator shift. And she thinks that the narrator is capable, but the voice of Inspector Gamache is different. Yeah. And so she she and I decided, well, maybe if it doesn't work, we'll just read the <laughs> the other seven books instead yeah. of... Although, so I will say, yeah, I totally agree. I do not... I don't like the new narrator as much. He's he's good. It's You're just, just not, not accustomed to him. Well, but I'm on this... I've read... Listened to him for two books now, so I am kind of accustomed to it. I just don't think he's quite as good. Although he's... Again, very capable. But I read the the little one, six and a half, I read, which was a whole weird experience because I have listened to all of them. And 
I didn't like reading it as much. Oh, really? Yeah. So she, you can tell kind of when you're listening to it, she does a lot of dramatic repetitions and little short sentences, which you can tell when you're listening to it. But when you're reading it, you get like a one one line paragraph. Mm. It's a little annoying. Okay. And part of that could have been because it was the kind of book it was. It was supposed to be a little bit easier reading. So maybe they're breaking things up. And Yeah. So there was that. Okay. Your mileage may vary, but I did find it a very interesting change to actually be reading it. Well, I have found that for murder books, these are pretty fun. They're fun listening. Yeah, they're easy to listen Um, to. I am excited for book three. I think what was interesting, without spoiling, what was interesting to me about book two was that we're continuing to build Inspector Gamache's character and you're getting a tremendous amount of backstory and sort of having to fill in on your own, or not on your own. It's not like it happened in a previous book. There was drama in the interim and you're being fed what the author wants you to have. And I think that that kind of storytelling is was really interesting in that capacity and also... There's a character who is um, a possible source of friction, and I really want to get to the bottom of why. (laughs) And that compels me to keep going because I'm super curious how that's going to be resolved. This is a really satisfying series, and I don't often read series, so I like that I'm caught in this current. Then I read a book called The Whispering House by Elizabeth Brooks, and I think that... This was a, the library, our library here, you can order books on hold and then they have like little, they pull out little stacks of things that they have and you can grab and go. So this was a book I had no previous knowledge of. I just sort of grabbed it because it was available at the library and I knew we'd be traveling and did I want an extra book? It wasn't superb, but I thought people who enjoyed Rebecca might want to pick it up. There was um, a state that had a lot of mystery about it. And the main character, Freya, her sister Stella has gone missing and was connected to the house. I, I had a little bit of a problem with it because I felt like it bordered on real domestic violence in a way that it, it wasn't far enough removed. Like it just seemed... It's meant to be a psychological thriller, but it was icky in a way, mm, in that yeah. in that way. And I didn't, I don't know, it, it also needed some really good tightening and maybe a little bit more dimension. It kind of used it as just a plot device and not a, yeah, a serious. Yeah. But it made me think of Rebecca in a lot of ways because of the, the pull of the house. And I love a house mystery, yep. as we have discussed. I read her Orphan of Salt Winds, which was, again, a house, creepy, Mm. gothic business. And I, yeah, I was like, nah, it was okay. It did not, was not my favorite. It held my interest all the way through, and I was compelled to finish it. Then I read Nothing to See Here. So good. By Kevin Wilson. It's Exploding Children. The Exploding Children. (laughs) And it just occurs to me that I gave somebody his wrong last name. Now that I'm looking at it, I did this on audiobook because... I was trying to fill the, read something that will make you laugh. Yeah. I laughed the first three quarters of this book. I felt like the narrator was spectacular. She's so good. Yeah. This is, her name is Marin Ireland, and she deserves a lot of credit for this audiobook. It was so yeah. good. Not that Kevin Wilson didn't do a great job, but. No, but she does. I've listened yeah. to a couple of other things that she's narrated, and she's really good. Yeah. No surprise, no spoiler, but the premise of this book is that there are these children that spontaneously catch on fire. And it is problematic for many reasons, (laughs) mostly so because their father is a prominent politician. And the scenario is so well illustrated that... I could not stop listening to this book. It was so great. And I really, really did laugh on so many parts of it. I just think it was, I don't even want to share that much about it. I think not that there's 
any real spoiler to it. I just think it's very creative. Just yeah, there's a, and there's a lot of lot of heartfelt yeah emotions in there and and it's not even yeah the kids catch on fire and that's difficult but that's not the crux of the story like the yeah. crux is so much deeper than that yeah and I think it's really <laughs> I keep exploding yeah I think it's just really that rewarding yeah. then I read Miss Metropolitan which was another grab and go book by um, Carolyn Farrell. It had a little thing on the cover that said it was going to be like Agatha Christie-ish or something like that. And it was about these three girls who had gone missing in like the 80s or 90s, fairly recently. Um, (laughs) The 80s and 90s are not recent. It wasn't historical. However, when you open the cover of the book, it had house diagrams like a clue you know like a clue game or something like that so I think in my head I thought it was going to be one thing and it turned out to not be what it what I thought it was going to be in my head and maybe I was disappointed in it because I had a different expectation for it that happens this is really 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 rough content these Hmm. girls were kidnapped and held for many years and there is no good way to divvy that up I actually, I'm not a speed reader, but I sped read through a lot of it because there were portions of it. The Miss Metropolitan is a newspaper author who lived across the street from this house where the girls were held for so many Mm. years. And she is so angry at herself. She didn't realize what was happening in the house across the street. And I more wanted to stick with her story. And of course, what, what happens with the girls and I don't know, it's... It was not that satisfying. Okay. It wasn't satisfying in any way, actually. Then we were away, and the place where we were staying had hundreds of books, which is kind of rare for like a beachy Airbnb because, I don't know, I was just surprised to see so many books. They were a lot of the books that my husband loves to read, like the Vince Flynn, Clive Cussler, Daniel Silva, all of the like spot, espionage, <laughs> cops, mysteries. And, the male romance yeah, kind of book. Gosh. So he had so much fun. Like, ooh, I re- I've read all of these and I want to read, you know, he made a good list. But they did have The Arsonist by Sue Miller on the shelf. And I picked this up and read it in a day and a half. Nice. Normally, I do not care about the plot of a Sue Miller because there's often infidelity. Her most well-known one, The Senator's Wife. I think I would probably love the writing, but it's a trigger thing. Like, I just don't like infidelity. So, this one does not have that. So, well, for the most part. Totally interesting plot. There's Frankie, and she is like a 42-year... I love that she's in her 40s. She's a 42-year-old aid worker who has come home from Africa. She's been doing, like, humanitarian hunger aid in Kenya. So she's come home to her parents' summer place where they've decided to retire to in New Hampshire. And she's trying to figure out what she's going to do next, and she's sort of restless and addicted in a way to the the drama of being in Africa and the crisis situation. But she also recognizes that as a U.S. aid worker, that she's the first person to get bailed out. And she's often leaving behind the people, the very mm. people she's trying to help. I love that. It's like a refreshingly honest portrayal of that conundrum, you know? Well, She develops a romance with this newspaper writer in the town. He he owns the he does everything. He owns it. He does all the copy. He lays out the paper and basically takes it to the printer and then he delivers it like it's a weekly paper. And he was once with a big Washington paper. So he has downgraded his career to match like how he wants to live. And it's their romance in this small town, which 
everybody is watching them kind of and then what's going on in the background is that somebody is setting fire to the summer people's houses oh dear and it's often the ones that are empty Hmm. and so then comes this friction between the summer people and the the year-round residents and as somebody who grew up in a town like that that was really compelling because i remember being like oh the summer people are here and it was really bad during covid because People from New York City would come up and not quarantine or they would, it was just, it was also difficult because we were there with my dad. So it was a different kind of situation, but that friction is very real. And I think she did a great job with it. And I won't share uh, much more because it was a really satisfying read. Oh, good. And that was my borrowed book because oh, yeah. I borrowed nice. it off the shelf at the Airbnb. Perfect. Then I read We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang. Oh, that's a new one, right? It's brand new. Yeah. And this was a book of the month for me. Oh, yeah. I saw that on my mom's shelf, too. It was great. Okay. It is a standalone, really interesting family portrait of this family, all adult children in New Jersey. There are lots of family secrets, but they have to come together and help each other. And it's great to see adult children learn how to do that. It also made me think a lot of We Were the Mulvaney's by Joyce Carol Oates. Mm -hmm. I think in part because we are the Brennans. We were the Mulvaney's. Four children, four children, stuff going on, stuff went on. There's a lot of parallels. However, they are their own books and they're both worth reading. Cool. So I just wanted to get the Joyce Carol Oates in there because it was one of my favorite books for a long, long time. Yeah. And then lastly, The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, mm-hmm. which is my every, I'm pretty sure everyone has read this. I mean, uh, yeah. This is a book that everyone has read. Yes. For my bingo sheet. It works. I accept um, that. This I accessed on audiobook. And we... Oh, how was that? Awesome. The narrator was great. It's Carrie Mulligan, oh. which was delightful because she has a beautiful spoken accent. Well, it's her spoken voice. This is the story of Emma Seed, who is pretty down to the point where she attempts suicide at the very beginning of the book. And instead of successfully committing suicide, she is transported to the Midnight Library where she is confronted by her choices and her regrets and her options. I think what is always worthwhile is watching a character or listening to or reading about a character's progression and improvement and trajectory or whatever I feel like wow this was so well done there were parts of it that I think I might have been a little frustrated with were it were I just reading it but because it was audio and I was driving Mm. and then the people in my car would wake up and be like what are we listening (laughs) to and I was explaining the story to my kids and my husband And then in the end, everybody wanted to know what choice she made. And it made for a really interesting family conversation, too. So I think that that was a really interesting and special book. And it was definitely a good read for me because having spent a pretty having had a pretty hard year mentally and emotionally, that there is no time like the present to remember that you have choices, you know, in everything that you do. I think it had a great overall message. It has a mental health component that I feel is important. And it was also a pretty great audiobook. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't realized when I read it that Matt Haig has had battles with depression himself. Yeah. So he was writing from a lot of things that he knew personally, which slightly changes my view of the book, but not too much. I think for me, having had such a really dark spring and summer it was kind of eye-opening i wish i had read it four months ago 
So, the Midnight Library. Matt Haig. All right, so that, well, yeah, that, that leads us into Bingo, which started Friday, May 28th, and will run through September 6th, uh, which is about a month away now. So, hustle hot, people. I know. I feel like I have to be strategic. Yep. <laughs> I borrowed a book from my mom that I'm pretty sure that is going to be both a borrowed and uh, something everyone has read. So oh. I have to actually get to it, though, because my library list is still huge. Anyway, to enter, you need to post a photo of your completed bingo, row, column, or blackout for second entry to Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2021 or on the Ravelry thread. And then you don't need the hashtag because it's on Ravelry and I will find it. I haven't seen any photos in the past two weeks, so okay. I have nothing to report. I just have my own stuff. I did my three recipes from one cookbook. That was favorite recipes from Melissa Clark's kitchen. I think I ended up with four or five, maybe. So that was Great. fun. Yeah, some of them I had made before, so I threw a couple extra in there. I did a pasta with a tomato salami and mint sauce. That one I have made before. It is sounds super weird, but it ends up being really good. You use the sopracetta, so it's a little spicy, and then with tomatoes, and then the mint just adds this super I cool love contrast. Yeah. yeah, so delicious. You do have to do some finagling because of, you know, meat with my household, but it all works out and was delicious. And then I did a sesame-cured broccoli, which she says is one of her best potluck dishes. It's the raw broccoli, and you chop it up. You make some sort of warm sesame oil sauce and dump it on there and it sort of cooks it a little bit and it was really delicious but still super fresh tasting hmm. so that was really good i did her ex-mother-in-law's zucchini with mint and garlic you slice up the zucchini and um, broil it for a little bit and then mix it with mint and fresh garlic and some olive oil again delicious super easy surprisingly fantastic Corn salad with tomatoes. Remember I said vegetables is yeah. one of the things I did. Also avocado and a lime cilantro dressing. So yeah. it was a little more Mexican and I was trying to think how I could. I mean, it was great, but everything else, I had served it with the meatballs and the zucchini and some something else. So it was a little bit of an odd taste and I wanted to make it more Italian. Mm. So, But I mean, it's corn and tomatoes. You can go any number you of could do directions with that. Yeah, Parsley. Yeah. Instead of cilantro. Yeah. So, but it yeah. was, it was delicious. And then upside down plum polenta cake. Yeah. Which was so good. You kind of cook. Where's the, the double batch? I know. I should have done that. You cook the plums first so they get all jammy and soft and then, and kind of caramelized and then, yeah. and then a polenta cake on top. And it was, it was so good. So that was delicious. And then my local favorite, we had talked about the It's It. Uh-huh. And I jokingly said, you should make them because... It's a San Francisco thing. It is amazing. It's been around since early 1900, 1920-something yeah. probably. So what it is, I feel like we must have talked about this before. Well, I've painted the box. Okay. So we have talked yeah. about it. So we it. have. Once again, though, it is an ice cream sandwich, vanilla ice cream, oatmeal cookies, and enrobed in chocolate. There are other flavors. The mint I do especially like. I don't the love strawberry the, is less I don't, successful. I don't love the mint one, but the box is fun to paint. Yes. I like the vanilla. Yeah, the classic is best. The classic is best, yes. but it's not as exciting of a box to paint. No, very true. They even have, did you ever have the pumpkin? No. It's a little bit weird, but interesting. Anyway, so I started thinking about it and what I was going to make, and I could not wrap my head around making cookies and making them into sandwiches and then enveloping them in chocolate. So I said, I'm going to do a basically a hot fudge sundae with crinkled oatmeal cookies. And it was delicious. So I made the oatmeal cookies from 100 cookies, gluten-free. I think they spread out too much they, and I cooked them just like 15 seconds too long. So they weren't burnt, but they were super dark and crispy, which was fine because we were crumbling them up. And then, right. I mean, a hot fudge sundae is always delicious. So that was pretty fun. And it didn't matter that they had all spread out and glommed together because we were breaking them up. And then something, reading something to make you laugh, 84 Charing Cross Lane. It's actually very funny. And that was somebody on What Should I Read Next had mentioned that it made them laugh and it was one of their favorite books. So I thought that would be a good Great. choice. And it was. How about you? Good bingo haul. Yeah. Okay. And still no bingo. 
<laughs> I don't yeah. think I, somehow it seems like I must by now, but no. Yeah, I know the feeling. So close. So I shared a recipe with a friend. I gave our friend Sarah the chocolate mousse pie recipe. Ooh. Crowd pleaser. I read a book that made me laugh, The Nothing to See Here by Kevin Wilson. I had a new, you know, the new to me spicer herb. I think I've tried every spicer herb without like leaving the country. But I did try sardines for the first time in my oh, life ever. Really? I do not like anchovies. Okay. Mostly okay. because of the bones. Because I don't mind the flavor in like a Caesar salad dressing. Yeah. But we saw that you can get skinless, boneless sardines mm. in a tin. And they were pretty excellent. Cool. So I'm calling it. Sure. I'm taking it. My center read, my vacation read, was the We Are the Brennans because I took it with me on our trip. And then my borrowed one is The Arsonist by Sue Miller. And then something everyone has read was The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Yes. And I think that puts me in relatively good shape to try for a blackout in the next month nice i have strategized like i have books for the missing ones and like in progress and now i'm home so i have to cook (laughs) (laughs) well you don't have to Probably you will though. And I did start People a like new. I did start a new project, but I haven't gotten anywhere with it, and I yeah. feel like I need to give it. I some think more you've attention. written a podcast review too, haven't you? I did, but they weren't for a new small podcast, and I wanted to yeah. do somebody okay. small All right. who needed. All right then. Wow. If you're participating in bingo, hashtag it so that we can see what you got going on. If not. We're fine with that, too, because we're perfectly content to fill up our little bingo squares. It makes me feel accomplished. And then I tuck it into the back of my planner and look at all the great things I did last summer. (laughs) That is a good plan. Well, I think that is all for us now. Yeah, that's a wrap. Until next time, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.